Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we look at cases of corruption and negligence and examine their historical and cultural implications. Today, I'm drinking a whiskey sour. What are you having, Jenny? I'm drinking sangria, and on this week's episode, we're looking at YouTuber Ruby Frankie and her child abuse conviction. As mentioned, this episode will contain a lot of discussion about child abuse. Now, 41-year-old Ruby Frankie created the Eight Passengers YouTube channel in 2015. The family vlog channel depicted her family's life in Springville, Utah, along with parenting advice and their Mormon faith. The channel featured her husband, Kevin, a former engineering professor at Brigham Young University, and their six children, Jerry, Chad, Abby, Julie, Russell, and Eve. She told KSL Online that she created the channel as a way to slow down and live in the moment after realizing her oldest child would soon turn 18, saying, quote, And so when I pull out the camera, it's just a reminder to let my heart rate come down and to just enjoy being with the kids as they are right now. End quote. At its peak, the channel had nearly 2.5 million subscribers and 1 billion views. Despite her popularity, Ruby's parenting techniques made her a controversial figure. In 2020, Ruby faced criticism after her then 15-year-old son, Chad, shared in a video that his, quote, bedroom was taken away for seven months, end quote, and had been sleeping on a beanbag chair. This punishment was a result of pranks Chad had played on then 11-year-old Russell, including lying to him about a family trip to Disneyland and hanging him from a basketball hoop. Ruby's other strict disciplinary techniques, including withholding food, sending a child to a wilderness camp for troubled teens, threatening to behead a stuffed toy, and telling two children that Santa Claus would not be bringing them anything for Christmas that year because they were too quote-unquote numb to respond to other punishments came under fire. In one video, Ruby shared a story about how her then six-year-old daughter Eve forgot to pack a school lunch and how she refused to drop off lunch for her daughter, telling the teacher, quote, she's just going to need to be hungry, end quote. She went on to say, quote, hopefully nobody gives her food and nobody steps in and gives her a lunch because then she's not going to learn from the natural outcome, end quote. That same year, a Change.org petition was created asking for law enforcement to investigate the Frankie family, which did eventually prompt a Child Protective Services investigation, but the case was closed due to unsupported claims. At first, Ruby and Kevin stuck by their parenting style, telling a media outlet, quote, what people aren't understanding is that we give our children choice in everything, end quote, and accusing naysayers of taking videos out of context. They did eventually stop posting to the Eight Passengers channel. In 2022, Ruby joined Mormon therapist and life coach Jody Hildebrandt's parenting advice podcast, Connections. The site-slash-YouTube channel advertised itself as a quote-unquote support group for moms that helps, quote, treat those lost in the darkness of a distortion, end quote. The pair frequently appeared together in connection videos, advertised parenting classes, and ran the joint Instagram account Moms of Truth. Some critics labeled that venture as a quote-unquote cult for its damaging and authoritarian teachings, including directives that parents shouldn't love their children unconditionally, for example, and a theory that children do not deserve privacy. The women also received backlash for their opinions on eating disorders, immigration, rape victims, and racist, transphobic, and ableist comments posted to the Moms of Truth page. In 2012, the Salt Lake Tribune reported that the Utah Clinical Mental Health Counselor Licensing Board put Hildebrandt, a quote-unquote 
porn addiction therapist on an 18-month probation that year after she allegedly discussed a patient's case file with Mormon church elders without his permission. On August 30th, 2023, the Santa Clara Public Safety Department received a call from one of Hildebrandt's neighbors. The caller said Frankie's 12-year-old son knocked on his door asking for help. The child who asked the neighbor for food and water had wounds and marks from tape around his wrists and ankles. The boy told investigators that Hildebrandt put the ropes on his ankles and wrists and that they used cayenne pepper and honey to dress the wounds caused by the ropes, according to a search warrant. Police then found her 10-year-old daughter allegedly in, quote, a similar physical condition of malnourishment, end quote, inside Hildebrandt's home in Ivins, Utah. They were subsequently taken to the hospital. Child Protective Services took them plus two older siblings and their teens into custody after police arrived at Frankie's home. Hildebrandt and Frankie were arrested on child abuse charges. In response to the arrest, 20-year-old Sherry made several posts on Instagram, including one caption, quote, Today has been a big day. Me and my family are so glad justice is being served. We've been trying to tell the police and CPS for years about this and so glad they finally decided to step up, end quote. She asked her followers to gather potentially problematic clips from her mother's YouTube pages in a Google Doc she created. She also encouraged followers to report and unfollow the connections and Moms of Truth Instagram accounts. In the following days, Frankie's three sisters, who are also family social media influencers, commented on the situation, saying that the arrest needed to happen. And quote, behind the scenes, we have done everything we could to try and make sure the kids were safe, end quote. A neighbor who lived near the Frankie family for about five years told People magazines about quote-unquote red flags that led other families in their affluent religious neighborhood to contact authorities in the months leading up to Frankie's arrest. YouTube deleted the eight passengers and connections channels and banned her from the platform. In a statement to People magazine, a YouTube spokesperson said the platform has, quote, terminated two channels linked to Ruby Frankie in accordance with our creator's responsibility guidelines, end quote, and that it and that it was also prepared to delete other channels that might attempt to re-upload Frankie's content. Following the arrest, it came to light that in September 2022, Sherry had requested a welfare check at the Frankie family home. According to police reports obtained by People, Sherry was allegedly notified by a neighbor who informed her that her younger siblings had been home alone for about five days. She told police that her mother was with Hildebrandt. In the report, the officer said he went to the Frankie's home and knocked on the door, but no one answered. The report stated, quote, the kids were seen through the windows, but would not answer the door, end quote. The officer said he spoke to neighbors who alleged to him that, quote, the mother of the residents, Ruby Frankie, will leave her children home for extended periods of time to go to St. George and spend time with her friend Jody Hildebrandt. End quote. The report went on to say, quote, everyone who came to the scene was very concerned about the children and them being left at home alone. They expressed great concern about the two youngest children being homeschooled while the two older ones go to public school, mostly because it shows they are home alone during the day by themselves and there isn't any way for them to contact emerging services if needed due to them not having phones and a landline not being available in the home, end quote. A week after the arrest, both Frankie and Hildebrandt were charged with six counts of felony child abuse. 
Frankie pled guilty and agreed to testify against Hildebrandt. In the plea agreement, Frankie admits that she tortured her son from May 22nd through August 30th by forcing him into hours of physical tasks, summer work outdoors without adequate water, and quote-unquote repeated and serious sunburns that blistered. She, he was denied food or given very plain meals, and he was isolated from other people without access to books, notebooks, or electronics. After he tried to run away in July 2023, his hands and feet were regularly bound, sometimes with handcuffs. At times, ropes were used to tie together handcuffs that secured his hands and feet as he lay on his stomach, lifting his arms and legs off the ground and injuring his wrists and ankles, um, according to the plea agreement. Frankie also admitted to kicking her son while wearing boots, holding his head under water, and smothering his mouth and nose with her hands. Her statement said, quote, he was also told that everything that was being done to him were acts of love, end quote. Frankie acknowledged similarly abusing her nine-year-old daughter by forcing her to work outside, run on dirt roads barefoot, and go without food and water. The plea agreement read in part, quote, she was also repeatedly told she was evil and possessed. The punishments were necessary for her to be obedient and repent, and these things were being done to her in order to help her, end quote. The girl was quote-unquote convinced what her mother said was true, according again to the plea agreement. On September 7th, Frankie videoconferenced into a shelter hearing from a Utah jail to determine custody of her four minor children. It was reported that Frankie used that time to deflect blame for her alleged behavior onto her kids. She claimed that one had confessed to abusing 20 other children, including a sibling, cousins, and neighbors. Frankie did not provide evidence for her allegations, but according to the Daily Mail, Judge Bazell told the courtroom that Frankie's purportedly abusive child would need to be, quote, placed in a home with no other children, end quote. In October, Judge Bazell ordered the custody case closed to the public, saying in a statement that the court could not provide a fair and impartial process without, quote, adequate safeguards to shield the children from the intrusive effects of media coverage, end quote, that were related to the case. One former patient told KUTV his Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints bishop recommended that he and his wife see Jody Hildebrandt for marriage counseling, describing the virtual sessions as a quote-unquote cyberbully group. After Frankie's shelter hearing, Jesse Hildebrandt, Jody's niece, came forward to Salt Lake City-based news station KUTV and shared their own experiences living with their aunt over a decade ago. Jesse, who uses they-them pronouns, alleged that the self-styled life coach subjected them to, quote, severe emotional, spiritual, and psychological abuse, end quote, and accused them of being a, quote-unquote, sex porn addict addicted to masturbation. They also said the, quote-unquote, therapy Jody administered to them included barring them from using tampons or having privacy in the bathroom. Jesse said, quote, she wanted to make my life so uncomfortable that it would force sin out. This continually got worse and worse, end quote. They also accused Hildebrandt of duct taping their mouth, blindfolding them, and telling them that they were, quote unquote, too dangerous to be around other people, resulting in isolation periods of up to 12 hours a day. Jesse also noted that Jody has had support from the Mormon church, even though people have spoken out against her. And they said, quote, we have a culture of not believing children and not trusting children. Children trust their parents and the parents trust the church, end quote. 
In November of 2023, Kevin Frankie filed for divorce from Ruby, and in 2023, Ruby pleaded guilty to four counts of aggravated child abuse. Her defense team went on to essentially blame Hildebrandt for influencing Frankie to abuse her youngest children. In a statement, they said in part that Hildebrandt, quote, systemically isolated Ruby Frankie from her extended family, older children, and her husband, Kevin. This prolonged isolation resulted in Miss Frankie being subjected to a distorted sense of morality shaped by Miss Hildebrandt's influence, end quote. Ruby's sentencing hearing is set for February 20th, 2024. And we would like to share if you suspect child abuse is going on, call the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline at 1-800-4-A-CHILD or 1-800-422-4453. You can also go to childhelp.org. All calls are toll-free and confidential, and the hotline is available 24-7 in more than 170 languages. Del, what are your thoughts on the crimes of Ruby Frankie? I think it goes without saying that they are absolutely gross and disgusting and she rightfully belongs in jail for a very long time. I think that the fact that she's not taking full accountability for her actions is just something else. While I understand that there are situations where someone is manipulated and their moral compass is compromised by another individual. At the time that these things were going on, she was in her late 30s. So what she wants people to believe is that in her late 30s, this woman came into her life and completely changed how she thought about raising her kids. I just don't believe that. It doesn't make any sense. And the fact that she is going back and forth between blaming Hildebrandt for her actions, blaming her other children for her actions, she just needs to accept responsibility. I have no sympathy for her. I think that it's interesting the connection that this may or may not have with the Mormon church. It definitely seems that, you know, allegedly based on some witnesses that the church may have been protecting Hildebrandt or referring individuals to Hildebrandt. Of course, the church is not going to come out and refute or confirm any of that, but it definitely speaks to a lot of the conversations around the Mormon church and the interworkings that shield uh, perpetrators of you know, negative acts against children. This is not the first case that we've heard that the Church of Latter-day Saints or the Mormons are protecting those within their church from the justice system. And it probably won't be the last time. What are your thoughts? I agree basically with everything you said. I mean, what can you say about child abuse in general, but this level of child abuse? It's absolutely evil disgusting hearing her say that we were doing it out of love i mean that's going to have so many repercussions for these children later on in life to have your parent who you should be like your most trusted you know person in the world most trusted adult as a child to hear them say that you're evil and possessed of course like you're going to believe that i can't even imagine how horrifying that must be to hear and of course you know, you're then manipulated into thinking, well, my mom, who I trust, is telling me this, and that the only way that's going to fix it is, you know, to listen to her and do as she says, is so 
like I words can't even describe how upsetting that is to hear. Um, I also have zero sympathy. Um, she's clearly trying to place the blame on everything else. I mean, Hildebrandt is equally evil. Who knows if maybe she influenced her more? I mean, it clearly seemed like Ruby Frankie was an abusive parent before Hildebrandt came into her life. So maybe it got worse after that. But it was that like, that abuse, like I said, was already there within her. I'm a little suspicious of her husband in all of this. I don't know what the family dynamics were. I guess it's just hard for me to believe that he didn't know some of this was going on or that he wasn't going along with it somehow. I mean, he clearly, he very well could be a victim in this too. If a lot of this wasn't happening within his home, it was happening at Hildebrandt's home. I guess you could say he didn't know maybe the level of what was going on, but I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if more came out about him in the future. His role in this just kind of doesn't sit right with me, um, you know, for the time being. I'm curious to hear what her sentencing will be. It's coming out like very shortly after this episode is released, so we'll keep everybody updated as we hear. As for Jody Hildebrandt, isn't it always interesting when you hear about these like very religious, I guess I'll say quote unquote therapist too, because that's what she is. She clearly has like a warped sense of what therapy is and very much like I would say an agenda behind her therapy and counseling to hear what her niece went through is awful. And then former client patient is saying, you know, I was cyber bullied and then to hear that she's like violating ethics uh, in many ways is frankly not surprising when you hear that she's helping, you know, someone abuse their children. Um, it is always, it's interesting to see uh, the Mormon church be brought into this because I think Jesse is right in saying that there's a culture of not believing children. And I think that goes for many religions. You often hear that. And that is why abuse within churches, within religious organizations, within families is allowed to happen because, well, the church says it's okay, or I'm taught to like, you know, what's the saying about children? Children should be seen and not heard. Like, that's a, a common statement that I know a lot of, I think it's a very dated statement, but a lot of people do grow up in households like that. And again, all of that just really perpetuates culture. And I think it is interesting, how many times have we heard, not even the Mormon church, other, you know, other religions, other religious groups, other religious people, extremely religious people committing horrific acts of abuse onto their children and to others. It always makes me raise an eyebrow. It's all very interesting and just sad to me. Ruby Frankie's case renewed attention to the dark underside of family vlogging channels and child influencers. Child influencers are the kids you might see featured on any type of social media content that stands to make a profit. This includes videos of children on family YouTube channels or TikToks and sponsored posts on Instagram. Sometimes the children are the stars of their own accounts. Throughout the years, there has been an increase in family vloggers due to YouTube making their site family-friendly and creators noticing that family-centered content gained more views. 
channels were more likely to get attention if they had younger kids and a newborn baby, thus encouraging more people to start a YouTube channel once they had a baby in hopes of becoming a popular family vlogger. Between YouTube ad revenue and brand collaborations, running a YouTube family channel can be considered a lucrative business, but the genre has been widely criticized in recent years for relying on children to create monetized content. Following Frankie's arrest, many have spoken out about the dangers of quote-unquote sharing or when content creators share their children's lives on social media for profit. Laurel Cook, a social marketing researcher and associate professor at West Virginia University, said the shocking nature of Frankie's case is pushing the wider public to be more skeptical of parents who profit from using their children for content. Children featured on these blogs and social media face the constant threat of monetary utilization, abuse from their parents, and uncertainty of their presence online. Lindsay Cooley, a licensed clinical child psychologist, said she's especially concerned for children whose parents are full-time content creators, likening them to child stars. The pressure to perform usually isn't on the same level for influencers' children as it is for child actors, but Cooley says that kids can be, quote, conditioned to know that when the phone is out, they should be behaving a certain way, end quote. She also um, described the imaginary audience, which is a term that refers to the adolescent belief that others are paying attention to them and scrutinizing their behavior, most people grow out of that as they grow into their sense of self, but Cooley hypothesizes that those who are, quote, used to being on stage at all times, and quote, will struggle to break out of that. Some creators who grew up being watched online are beginning to speak out about their childhoods. Some allege that being so prominently featured on their parents' social media accounts affected them negatively. An anonymous source who grew up in a family vlogging YouTube channel told Teen Vogue that their father once said, quote, I am your dad, but I am also your boss, end quote. She also told her parents, quote, I don't want to do YouTube anymore. And when her when she did, her dad said, quote, okay, well, that's fine. But mom and I are going to have to go back to work and we're going to have to sell this new house, end quote. This comes as conversation grows online about whether children can consent to their photos or videos being posted or not, and how parents oversharing photos or videos might violate a child's privacy. Many in the movement argue that children can't consent to being online and that they may not have a choice in growing up in the spotlight. Publicly documenting a child's life can pose higher safety concerns like stalking. As social media usership increases, especially on video platforms like TikTok, the potential viewership of every video is limitless. Some of these parents post their child's most intimate and embarrassing moments for the world to see, including that child's future classmates, bosses, and colleagues. When Ruby Frankie was posting to her Eight Passengers channel, she vlogged even the most intimate details of their children's lives, including having the talk with their kids, their son's puberty appointment, and their daughter's first period. Despite their children stating numerous times that they don't want to be filmed and that the channel has subjected them to bullying at school, the Frankies continued to invade their children's privacy for views, recording them without their consent in order to gain likes, subscribers, and money. Many commentators online noted that child influencers don't have the same rights and regulations that child actors typically do. 
Traditional media companies that work with children for commercials or on film sets abide by strict labor laws. Neither the Fair Labor Standards Act, a 1938 law addressing quote-unquote excessive child labor, nor California's Coogan Act, which protects child actors, have been updated to include child influencers. Adams, the creator of Mom Uncharted, said, quote, there's no rules or regulations in regard to their labor, in regard to the money they are making. These kids can be filmed legitimately all day, be creating these advertisements, and there's no protection that they will personally see a dime of that money later down the road, end quote. In August 2023, Illinois passed the country's first law aiming to protect child influence from exploitation, providing financial compensation for minors under 16 who appear in any sort of documentation. This moves child safety in the right direction, giving children rights to the money they made for their parents. In the age of social media, parent content creators can use their children to generate an income, but where the money really goes is a question left unanswered. What originally began as a school project for teenager Sharia Nalamanthu became an investigation into the lack of protection for child influencers across the United States. After receiving encouragement from her teacher to share her findings with her state legislator, her research helped fuel the legislation. This law, which is a which is an amendment to the state's existing child labor law, entitles child influencers to a percentage of the earnings made from the content they're featured in and held in a trust until they turn 18. In California, State Senator Steve Padilla introduced a similar bill in December 2023. Maryland and Pennsylvania are also planning to propose legislation about online child labor. Some experts say that legislative action, while welcome, is long overdue, especially given that many children have already suffered from lack of regulation. YouTube has not weighed in on recent legislation. So, do you think that children in family vlogs are being exploited? And are there any other actions that should be taken to protect their rights? They are absolutely being exploited. Now, I think that there, of course, are levels and gradations to, you know, exploitation. I'm not akinning them to like a trafficking victim where, you know, every single channel is engaging in the type of abuse that we're seeing from Ruby Frankie. But I think that anytime you have a situation where someone is working for you, whether you're related to them or not, and they're not being compensated, even though the downsides are so horrendous and life-changing for these individuals, there is a level of exploitation with that. When it comes to what other actions should be taken to protect their rights, that's a difficult one because I think it brings in the conversation of parental rights and, you know, what a parent can or cannot do in terms of having their child be in the public domain. I don't know if there's any real legal action that can be taken to really curtail the negative effects without affecting individuals who, you know, as a whole are, you know, a positive addition to the family blogger space. I think in a lot of ways, and I may agree that you err on the side of don't allow them to, you know, monetize the content, 
put it on the side of YouTube that it's like the kids side where, you know, it's just family friendly content. And, you know, hopefully that means that the videos are like child friendly where they're like opening up toys or, you know, something akin to that. Not something where the primary driver is advertisement. What about you? I do agree that the children in these vlogs are being exploited and that there are levels to this exploitation. You know, if there's truly a camera in your child's face 24-7, seven days a week, that's exploitation. There's no need for that. I think the idea of like, can kids consent and is this violating their privacy is a, it's a really interesting conversation to have because, you know, as a kid, you can think it's like fun, all fine and dandy. And then when you become a teenager or an adult, you look back and are just totally embarrassed by that. I mean, even as like, you know, like posting something on social media in middle school, high school, or even just like looking at pictures of yourself, like wearing certain things, you know, is enough to embarrass you. And that's only shared with like a specific group of people. Imagine these children having your first period, like just put out into the public for anyone to know about anyone to be able to see like I would be really embarrassed by that. And for the children in these videos to say I don't want to be filmed, you know, sometimes you can see that the children are like hiding their faces in these videos. And the parents are still just like shoving the camera in their face. I don't understand what kind of parent are you? There's no reason to be doing that. And then to hear the anonymous girl who is um, in a vlogging family to see how her dad was manipulating her to saying, like okay well it's fine if you don't want to be in the videos but we're gonna have to go back to work and we're gonna have to sell this house and blah 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 like that's manipulation just making your kid feel bad the kid that didn't even really choose most likely to be in these videos and I think it's absolutely pathetic that people do that as for other action I'm not really sure either I think Michigan is a great start and I think all of this should fall under child labor and what is considered child labor could any of this really be put in place because YouTube you know it's not like going into your office and like clocking in it's not traditional so it's hard I think to regulate because of that too because I was thinking like well, maybe there can only be like a certain amount of time like kids could be on the camera or like in a day. I don't know. But again, who who would regulate that? And even so, like it would be so easy to lie about that. I do like your suggestion of like just keeping it to like like kids playing with toys and like not really getting into like personal lives and details. Like now we wanted to get into some other family vlogging controversies and scandals. Ruby Frankie's child abuse arrest is by no means the only controversy a family vlogger has gotten into. The first one we're going to look at is Daddy of Five. Daddy of Five was a YouTube channel run by Michael Christopher Martin, known for its daily vlogging and prank videos. At its peak, the channel's videos feature Martin, his wife Heather Martin, also known by her online alias, Mommy of Five, and their children. Created in 2015, the channel achieved success earning up to 167 million video views and around 750,000 subscribers at its peak. In 2017, the family became the center of abuse claims following these prank videos, which became gradually more extreme with many videos involving Mike encouraging his eldest child, Jake, to physically and mentally abuse his younger siblings, often to the point of severe injury and intense psychological distress. One such video involved Cody, the second youngest child, being thrown through a doorway by Jake and against a bookcase by Mike. 
he was left with what appeared to be injuries to his face. Another video involved the youngest being instructed by Mike to slap one of his siblings, the middle child, across the face for failing to perform a water bottle flip correctly. YouTube personality Philip DeFranco released a series of videos covering the channel and sharing his distaste for the content they share. DeFranco's first video covering the channel was credited by many news outlets for shining a light on the channel's extreme content. Two of the children were removed from Mike and Heather's custody and returned to their biological mother. Prosecutors for the Frederick County Circuit Court filed criminal charges against Mike and Heather in August 2017, with them facing two counts of quote-unquote neglect of a minor apart. The next month, Mike and Heather pled guilty by way of an Alfred plea and were sentenced to five years of supervised probation. They ceased creating content on Mike's channel, Daddy of Five, as a result of court-ordered probation, but began producing similar content on the family's new channel called Family of Five, which was terminated by YouTube in July 2018 following renewed interest in the family. However, Mike and Heather have an official website and a gaming channel on Twitch. As of 2023, Mike is active on YouTube as the Martin family. Next is Micah Stouffer. Micah Stouffer had two successful YouTube channels with over 700,000 subscribers on her personal channel and over 300,000 subscribers on her family channel, both of which are now deleted. Micah gained controversy after releasing a video on her channel where she sat with her husband James and talked about quote-unquote rehoming the son that they adopted from China. Many felt as though she used the entire adoption process as clickbait on her channels. She posted every detail of the adoption and put her adopted son's face on her videos and Instagram page. Before the adoption process began, Micah made a video announcing her adoption plans. In the video, she talked about how she wanted to adopt a child with special needs and how she was fully capable of caring for a special needs child. In some videos, Micah plugged a fundraiser she had organized for her adopted son Huxley's unspecified needs. She said every person who donated $5 would unlock a different piece of a thousand-piece puzzle, which would at the end be a photo of Huxley that she would reveal to the world. She also said she would write the names of all the donors in his baby book. In a sponsored video from 2017, Micah said she was using the proceeds from YouTube ads towards her adoption, writing in the caption of the sponsorship, quote, profits are going towards bringing our son home from China, end quote. Before adopting the child from China, she was told he had a condition that could get worse over time. A doctor even scanned his brain and tried to discourage Micah from adopting because the child's condition was serious. The vlogger also promised that she would never return her son, saying, quote, he's our son and that's that. We're not going to trade him in. We're not going to return him. He's our boy, end quote. Despite all the warnings from professionals, Micah flew to China and adopted the child anyway, using him to get views on her social media account. Micah's profile began to rise in the parenting blogger community. Her YouTube subscribers doubled from October 2017 to October 2017. 
2018, according to Social Blade. Micah and her husband had their adopted son in their family for two years before announcing on YouTube that they were giving up their now four-and-a-half-year-old son who was diagnosed with autism due to doctors telling them that he needed more care than the stalfers were able to provide. She went on to talk about how her former adopted son was sent to a home with a family who has a medical background and who were better equipped to care for a child with special needs. After that disturbing revelation, Micah kept posting videos about her morning routine and decluttering techniques as if everything was normal. People were outraged by Micah's action and called for brands working with Micah to stop partnering with her. She lost many of those deals and her story gained media attention. Micah has been silent on social media ever since. The next family is the LeBrant family. Considered some of the most popular family vlog channels, the LeBrant family is made up of parents Cole and Savannah and their children Everly, Posey, Zeeland, and Sunday. And they have over 13 million subscribers to their YouTube channel, which makes them over $5 million a year. The LeBrant's target audience is families with children. Savannah was one of the 50 most followed accounts on TikTok with 28.8 million followers. Their children also have a variety of social media accounts. Everleads YouTube channel has 3 million subscribers. Cole's rise to fame began in 2013 when he started the Vine channel, Them White Boys, with his two friends. Following that, he appeared on the reality TV show The Amazing Race and acted in TV shows. The family posts nearly every aspect of their lives to YouTube and has faced criticism for exploiting their children and using clickbait to get views. In a since-deleted video, Cole and Savannah pranked their then-six-year-old Everly into believing that they were giving her puppy away. As a result, Everly cries and hides her face from the camera. Cole and Savannah continue to film Everly crying as they explain why they must give her puppy away. In 2018, the couple came under fire for allegedly faking an evacuation during the California wildfires. A video titled, A Giant Fire Makes Us Evacuate Our House, sparked the backlash. The LeBrant's neighbors and fire officials claimed the family's home was never in danger and that the video was intentionally misleading. The video also originally had a thumbnail photo of Cole, Savannah, and Everly looking scared with a photoshopped mountainside going up in a fiery blaze behind them. The LeBrant's eventually changed the name of the vlog to We Left Our House Because of Fires in California. In 2021, they gained widespread criticism again and were accused of using clickbait after releasing a documentary titled She Got Diagnosed with Cancer. The original thumbnail of Cole, Savannah, and their three children holding hands in their backyard led many to assume that one of their own children was diagnosed with cancer. In reality, the video was about how Cole and Savannah were worried that their daughter Posey might have cancer. Cole and Savannah revealed Posey did not have cancer, but that they wanted to highlight children who do. However, fans thought the video was in poor taste because it used childhood cancer as quote-unquote clickbait. The thumbnail has since been changed to Cole leaning over a child who is not their daughter who does have cancer. That wraps up this week's case. Thank you for listening. Let us know in the comments what you think about Ruby, Frankie, and family vloggers. You can read more about this case and how to support us in the links below. We will be back next week with a brand new episode focused on the Grimes sisters. As always, stay safe.